And welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm Lori LeBay, and I'm the host and founder of Alzheimer Speaks. For those of you that are new uh, to listening to us, I'll just give you a little background here before we get started with our program today. Um, Alzheimer Speaks is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. And we believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having these everyday conversations like we are going to do today about life with dementia, that we're going to be able to remove the stigmas attached to memory loss, and we're going to be able to help families live better. Uh, with this disease and um, and raise awareness at the same time. At our core, we believe collaboration is the only way we're going to win the battle against dementia. And I know it's working because of you, because of all of your likes and clicks and shares with your Pinterest pals, your Facebook friends, your Twitter tribes, your LinkedIn colleagues. It's been amazing how your shares have raised our profile here on Alzheimer's Speaks. And we were honored as the number one influencer online regarding Alzheimer's, according to ShareCare and Dr. Oz. And I I just can't thank you enough uh, for... um, pushing out all of our information, if it's from the radio show, if it's from the blog, the Dementia Chats educational webinars, the website itself, our our Twitter and our YouTube channels, all of that is making a huge impact because here we're all about raising everyone's voice. So it's not just about us here at Alzheimer's Speaks. It's about us as a world as a whole. And so you might be our perfect next guest for us. You see, we interview people who are living with dementia. We interview families who have dealt with it in their own lives. We also have interviewed um, Harvard Research has been on our show. We have all kinds of businesses, authors, um, uh, movie directors, um, musicians, you name it. Everyone is welcome to come and share their story. I think it's about igniting everybody's passion to make this world a better place and Lord knows right now we need a lot of help. Just all you have to do is watch all the political debates and you can see uh, we're in some trouble right now. We, we have to start working together and really do it in a respectful fashion. So go to alzheimerspeaks.com and go to the big contact button in gold up in the header. Just click on that if you think you might be a next guest. Uh, I'd love to talk with you. I do want to do a couple of shout outs um, to uh, a couple of our sponsors. One is audible.com and actually they are offering a free audible book download for a 30-day trial if you go to audibletrial.com forward slash social. Again that's audibletrial.com forward slash social and um and then I also, I have to do a big shout out to the Purple Angel. You heard that in our song. Norms McNamara, who is living with dementia over in the UK, has just done a fabulous job with this symbol um, in raising awareness. It's in over 19 countries now. I can't even tell you how many Purple Angel ambassadors there are. You can get your information so that you can start utilizing it um, just by going to alzheimerspeaks.com. Click on our initiatives and projects section and um, go to the Purple Angel uh, piece and just click on it and request information and I will get that to you. We're kind of the headquarters for the U.S. here on that. Um, Another company I just want to give a shout out to is the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation. They do great work if you're looking for some holistic, um, you know, avenues uh, such as uh, diet, um, meditation, exercise, uh, and they do a lot of educational support too that you can get online and, um, and memory screenings as well. 
I'd be uh, admiss if I didn't mention the loss of Nancy Reagan, uh, who died at the age of 94, our former First Lady, uh, who took such great protective care of Ronald Reagan during his personal journey uh, and battle with Alzheimer's disease. Uh, You know, she just had done so much for the disease and for Ronald to come out and um, and say that he had Alzheimer's disease was, was pretty big back in the day. The other person I want to just do a big shout-out to is a good friend of mine, uh, Harry Urban, who lives in Pennsylvania. And he just had a wonderful article uh, who featured him, and it's titled, The Lancaster County Man with Dementia Finds Life doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. And um, I love that title because I don't believe in perfection. I just believe in having fun and and making life as is, is good as you can with, with what you have. But Harry, um, in his article, has some great insights that I think will be very helpful for people. So check, check that article out. And again, if you haven't read about Nancy Reagan's journey, um, you know, just Google it. Um, lots of articles will pop up on that. Let me introduce our guest today. Very excited to have him with us. His name is Mark Arnold, and he started the Child Alert Center back in 2005. And that was all about, you know, filling a need for families who had a child go missing. And uh, they didn't, he found out they didn't qualify, many of them, for the Amber Alert. And over 800,000 children are reported missing, and less than 300 qualify. Uh, for the Amber Alert. And so it really is a burden on the families to find their loved ones. And he just has um, really a series of companies, sister companies, that um, can help us in so many levels, from pets uh, to protecting those uh, with dementia or who might be uh, frail and vulnerable to corporate travelers. Um, It's just a great, great group of companies. And we're going to talk about that. So we're going to talk about the caregiver alert system, um, as well as uh, the college alert system, uh, too. So welcome, Mark. Thank you, Lori. It's good to be with you. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on our show. Why don't you tell our audience um, a little a little bit um, about your, yourself personally? We always like to ask our guests, and and some um, some have gone down this path and others haven't. It doesn't make any difference why, but our audience always likes to know, have you been personally touched by dementia with a family member or close friend? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, matter of fact, my best friend in Florida's uh, dad has it, and he's in an advanced state uh, with it now. But my sister-in-law lost both her parents with that. And something uh, actually directly tied to me, uh, my last two dogs uh, had dementia. Uh, and I wasn't even aware that that was even possible with pets. So I took them to the vet and said something's, something's different because they were sleeping all day and up all night and one of them might go to a corner and just stand there to actually pick it up and move him. So uh, that's how it's touched me closer than anything. And my pets are kind of like, they're part of my family. So uh, I've, I've been around it quite a bit uh, in, in recent years for sure. Well, and that's a, that's a great uh, thing to bring up because uh, pets can get dementia. A lot of, a lot of people don't know that. And so it is something to address, you know, with uh, with your veterinarian as well as your neurologist or general general GP. There, can you tell us your personal story of of what's behind your company and and how it got started? Well, we we started a child alert center. I had a consulting company previously before that that focused on Oracle and PeopleSoft implementations, and I was actually having lunch with a buddy of mine in our club with his wife and daughter and he pulls out a little id card part of a child kit if you will that they sold to schools and he goes well, what do you think about this and i had no thoughts on it because i've never seen one of these before because i don't have children and i said well how does it work he says well you know they come to school and they pass out this information you fill it out and then somebody inputs it, so they get an encrypted CD that captures their fingerprint, uh, their DNA, and then you got the little ID card. So if the person goes missing, 
a child, then you can give it to uh, law enforcement. I said, well, where do you keep this? He goes, well, we just keep it in a safe place in the house. And then I got to thinking about it. I said, well, what if you guys were at Disney World two and a half hours away, little Abby goes missing and all this stuff that's back in Jacksonville, what are you going to do? And he's like, oh, man, that's a problem. So then I just started doing some research from there and uh, didn't see anyone doing anything like this. And so we had some other projects winding down with our other company, and I just kept doing more and more research. And the next thing you know, we kind of launched this to make it web-based. So if somebody did go missing, we could access it through the Internet and create and distribute the poster instantly. So... uh, we could get that out to as many people as possible. And that was kind of key to the recovery. And what we did along the way was we patented some technologies where we can create a text link and send it to a mobile network. And when you click on that link, then you've got a mini poster that shows up on your phone. So we're the only people, as far as I know, in the world that does this, you know, Amber Alert, which we're part of that network as well. All you get with that is an abbreviated text, so it's kind of like shorthand. <laughs> you don't know what these abbreviations are. You're not even sure who are. So with us, you know, 90% of people are found with eyes and ears. We know that, and same thing with pets. So when you see that photograph on your phone, that's just instrumental in, in bringing these pets and these uh, children and people home. So that's kind of how we got started with that. Well, I, I just, uh, you know, I'm a, a big raving fan um, of your company. And, you know, I, I had never really dealt with uh, with a missing person um, to speak of. Um, you know, my daughter, when she was, I should say, oh, gosh, she was probably three. We had moved into a new home. And um, she was kind of pouty. And we were in the living room with uh, some, some of her friends. We were all going to go out someplace. And she got a little pouty. And she said, I'm going to go just sit on the stoop. And so we were like, okay, go sit on the stoop. And then all of a sudden, you know, two minutes later, I go out there and she's gone. And, you know, my heart just sunk <laughs> to my toes. And this was about the time yeah. Jacob Wetterling went missing. And, you know, we just went crazy going through the house, the neighborhood. We were knocking on doors, introducing ourselves new to the neighborhood. You know, our child is missing. And here she went downstairs and she fell asleep behind a mattress that was leaned against a wall. But, you know, that was that was that that whole panic of what do we do? And we were shocked by um, even one of our neighbors who was a police officer wouldn't come out and help look for her. And and that was just like, oh, my gosh, we couldn't believe it. And then last um, this last summer, I actually had a friend's sister go missing and I was traveling. And so I didn't really know what was going on. And I, I got back and it was like day nine and she was still missing. She was living in an assisted living, and um, there was no information out in the community about her at all. And her sister, who is my friend, is really organized, and she can facilitate anything. I mean, that's what she did for a living. But, you know, what happens is people kind of freeze up um, because they're in this just such a, a stressful moment, and no one really seemed to care about this individual. And uh, so I, I told my friend, I said, well, I'm going to, uh, we're going to drive two hours up there and um, we're not leaving until we get some answers. And, you know, we went into the, the police and um, the woman that we needed to talk to, the detective was in training. So then we went to the assisted living. The assisted living basically said, well, we reported it to the police. Um, we asked, has anyone searched her room? you know, to look for clues. No. So we started kind of digging, looking for clues. Has anyone talked to her um, guardian, her bank, her pharmacist, so that if she was getting a prescription or drawing off cash, there would be an alert? Nope, none of that had been done. We go back to the police and kind of got this runaround. Well, they're still investigating. And, you know, my friend um, said, okay, we'll I'll come back on Monday. And I just said, no, we are not leaving until we get answers. And you either give us some answers or we're going to the media. This is asinine. This is a vulnerable adult. And I was just totally shocked at the, the process. And as I investigated more over time, um, talking with other um, departments, I, I was utterly shocked at 
there really isn't a process, you know, and, and finding out that families are really the ones that have to coordinate the search um, teams and stuff, that really isn't something the department's put out. And, um, you know, the press releases to the media, you know, can take some time putting up posters. And what I love about your, you know, your um, alert center for the various categories is, I mean, boom, you know, in like seven minutes, it can be distributed and tapped into social media. And I just thought, you know, gosh, maybe her sister would have been found before three months um, living in another yeah. city, ending up in a hospital in a coma, you know, if people yeah. knew. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you, you take an instance like that where let's say you were part of that buddy list where when someone registers for any of our services, they can add up to 10 of their closest friends or family or neighbors. And if that person goes missing, then we notify them immediately because we're thinking somebody close to them may know where they are. So it keeps you from doing the whole big launch. But in this case, like with your friend, we could have sent you that text link, which for example, you could have sent to a hundred people in your contacts on your mobile phone and say, Hey, well, this person's missing. Please forward this to a hundred of your contacts. And if they did that and they forwarded it one more time, then in less than five minutes, you've got a million people that knows that person's missing. Because they're going to see that photo on the phone, and it's 98% of phones can open up a text link, which is what's the really nice thing about this. So it's, you know, they would be found right away doing that. So it's really, really cool how we did that. But kind of going back to your story, our first week in business with Child Alert Center, we went to a SHRM conference, the Society of Human Resource Management, uh, down in Orlando. And we kind of bought the, the platinum booth, so anybody that was walking into the exhibit hall literally had to walk past us. We we had eight reps at this conference, and all these people were just drawn to us because people in HR had never seen anything like this. And it would start with one or two, and then next thing you know, there'd be eight or ten, and it it was kind of crazy, but I remember hearing one of my reps telling this this lady the story. She goes, he used to live in Atlanta. I said, you know, I was in the mall with my eight-year-old daughter, and we're, I was looking at some golf shirts or something, and I, you know, a blink of an eye, kind of like you mentioned earlier. The next thing you know, I can't find my daughter, and I don't know if she's playing, hiding under clothes, because kids do do that. And then, and he goes, then I kind of just like my heart sank because I couldn't find her and I started looking around. So I kind of went outside the store and I'm looking down the corridor, if you will. And this lady has got my daughter by the hand, walking her out of this mall. Oh. Now, my buddy Wayne is Wayne's about six, one and probably two thirty. I was like, what'd you do? He goes, I ran and I tackled that woman, just knocked her to the ground and called for security. And obviously she got arrested and stuff, but he's like, he, I've never, it just, it just happens at, at a blink like that. And so people like that have to be, you know, you have to kind of watch out because you'll see people uh, strolling around in the neighborhood and things like that. I know, you know, we did a lot of research on statistics of these missing children. And, you know, there's, it's just hard to believe you have 800,000 that's reported missing, but you've got another 600,000 that's not even reported missing. And you wonder why, but a lot of them are throwaways. Parents would, would just kick their children out of the house. And then they may report them afterwards to kind of cover their, their butt, if you will. But it's just crazy. And then the Amber Alert itself, less than 300 qualifies. So if you don't have a description of the person that took your child or the vehicle, then more than likely uh, you're not going to get an Amber Alert issue. Now, they do make exceptions, but they're kind of few and far between. So we, we, our goal back when we did that company was to fill that gap. But I remember a lot of people at that conference coming up to us say, hey, can we register, you know, our grandparents because they're not doing well or whatever. Like, you, you can register anybody because at that time we just had the Child Alert Center service, so it didn't matter. But um, And it just finally kind of hit years later, like this is – this is another service that we need to be offering to, to the general public. So, um, but that's kind of how we've kind of evolved, uh, you know, going to those conferences and say, oh, you should be doing it for college students. You should be doing it for pets and you should be doing it for people traveling around the world. So it just kind of evolved from one to another, but now we kind of cover a hundred percent of any customer's base or employee base. Um, 
and I, I think we're, I don't know what else we could come up with <laughs> from where we're at now, but uh, it's just, in my opinion, it's the most effective way of actually finding somebody, and it's also probably the most affordable, so. Well, and I, I, you know, I, I like it because, um, you know, it can be someone who's vulnerable, like a child or someone with dementia, um, but it can be for, you know, a college student. And I mean, we're hearing a lot of college students disappearing or corporate travel. Um, I mean, and pets, I mean, it's, it really is kind of endless. It's simple. It doesn't cost much um, at all. And just for the reassurance that you you have this in case you need it, because you don't want to be fumbling for photos and figuring out now how tall were they and how much did they weigh and, you know, were their eyes blue or were they, you know, what what's what with all yeah. that? I mean, you just, you don't want to have to be scrambling because, you know, your tagline is where speed is life. I mean, it's it's true. It 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 really is about saving uh, saving time and um, being as speedy as possible to be able to get this information out there. You know, is so so critical. Um, can you tell us a little bit about? You know, you were talking about dementia or um, statistics for kids. Now, when it comes to you know dementia, and Alzheimer's, you know the statistics for wandering, I don't think are really good out there. But maybe you found out more than than I have. But again, it's something that hasn't I I don't think has been talked about, and I don't think it's been categorized um, as that's the specific need. I think that'll be changing in the future. But what have you found in your research? Well. What what I've seen is and found was sixty percent of those with Alzheimer's will wander, which I just thought that was an extraordinarily high number. But you know, when I talk to people that's been around it quite a bit, they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm surprised it's not higher than that." But they're backing up a bit, you know, I've, I've also found that forty five, forty six percent of people have it but haven't been diagnosed with it, which means because nobody has told them they have it, so nobody's really on alert, those people are subject to wonder as well. So, But that 60% kind of stood out with me, and then as we kind of looked at some more statistics on this, 90% of them, the people that go wondering, can't find their way back home on their own. And... uh, I just I was blown away when I saw that, and then of those people, twenty or if they're not found in twenty four hours, then there's a fifty percent chance that they're going to be injured or killed. And, and those statistics are as alarming as any for any of our other services of children and pets and everything else. It's a, so you're right. Time is absolutely of the essence. And I know there's some other products and stuff out there where they have necklaces and bracelets which we kind of associate much like a dog collar uh, or an ID card, if you will. They're, they're more identification tools instead of recovery tools. And we kind of learned that at the, at the SHRM shows, like, you know, what you guys are doing is actually recovering people. These identification tools are more like after they've been found. So if I was wearing a bracelet, an Alzheimer's bracelet that I had, uh, and I was wondering, nobody would even really know I was missing unless – I went up to somebody and somebody accidentally found me and noticed that bracelet uh, and what it was. Um, I had a gentleman in our neighborhood a couple of years ago that was just, he was probably about 80 years old, walked in the neighborhood, no shirt on and shorts. And it, it just kind of struck me as being a little strange. And I went up and started talking to the guy and I was like, hey, you live around here? And he goes, yeah. I said, what street you live on? He said, not sure. And you, and I said, well, can you mind if I walk with you? I need to get some exercise. And at the same time, you know, I'm texting one of my friends, like call security guards and then call police. I said, I think this guy may have uh, Alzheimer's. And we kind of just walk and talk and come to find out, uh, you know, about 15 minutes later, somebody did show up, policeman. And I found out the next day that he had lived, he had lived across this four lane highway in this other neighborhood, which would be extremely just dangerous walking across through there. I wouldn't do it myself. Uh, so you just never know, but that was just an accident that I just even bumped into this guy doing that. And that's kind of what it is. If people don't know these people are missing, uh, 
it's kind of hard to find them doing that. And it's upon the families to do that, like you mentioned earlier. I don't think law enforcement really punched that much effort into doing that. So. Well, and it's it's interesting. You know, you mentioned you know there are some um, other like pendants and stuff that people can wear. You know where you know they buzz when they go out of a certain area, or even a, a phone. You can download an app and kind of put a um, an invisible gate where someone is notified. But again, you don't know necessarily where they are. There's GPS systems, um, and then there's um, even um, USB bracelets that people can wear that is more that identifying information where, um, you know, emergency um, staff can go ahead and plug that in and find out who you are and and where you live and those types of things. Um, Again, once you're found, but even with some of the, the GPS, I mean, if someone is maybe in water it may not be accurate if someone has uh, is is in cement walls, you know, in a shopping mall. It may not be able to locate, and so you know, I think this is just another tool um, to be able to help protect people. And um, you know, I don't, th- I don't think I'm not a believer in you know one one size fits all for for everyone. I think um, I, I think it's okay to have multiples, um, especially when you're talking about security and safety issues. But but yours is probably the least expensive, and it it taps into um, those ears and eyes that you talk about. That 90 percent of missing people are found by those who who saw them. And when you have those actual pictures versus just a description saying, you know, a a five-year-old or a 95-year-old, you know, with such and such hair and eyes last wearing this, um, there's a big difference from reading that and actually seeing a picture of somebody, you know, or maybe maybe a car that they're driving because we do hear you know, sometimes people with dementia will get in the car and all of a sudden they've crossed, you know, borders um, because it's taken so long uh, to be able to track them. And, um, you know, this is just a nice, quick, simple route to go that only costs $15 a year, which is nothing. Um, you know, it's it's a couple cups of coffee. And, um, and, and to know that you have that in your back pocket I think is incredibly important um, and just to help you sleep at night because, you know, some, some are caring for their loved one at home and they, they worry that they're going to, you know, scoot out um, the door. Uh, sometimes people will change locks and put them up higher so maybe they can't see them, but sometimes they don't get locked and somebody wanders off. I mean, there can be a million ways or someone's learned, you know, kind of our dance of, okay, we tried this and it worked for a while and then all of a sudden it doesn't again. Um, you just, you don't know with this disease what the triggers are going to be for someone to possibly um, wander off. And, um, you know, that protection, I, I think of my mom and dad, my, my mom was never one to wander. And when they moved up to the lake, um, which was at the end of a peninsula, you know, they said, Oh, she's got the mentality of a three year old, don't let her out of your sight. We're like, Oh, wonderful. You know, what's going to happen, I would have purchased this in a heartbeat for her. My dad with brain cancer, yeah. um, I would have purchased this for him. I mean, even when he was in the nursing home, one of my favorite pictures is um, on the first floor. They had like two escapee pictures of my dad. If you see this man, bring him back up to the second floor, you know. But my dad was so proud. He would he would maneuver his way out. And, you know, he loved he loved being able to kind of get past him. And I, I would have bought that in a in a second, you know, grandchildren. Um, I don't have any pets anymore. But my two dogs that we just lost, uh, you know, this last year and a half, I, I would have done it for them as well. Um, because they're just too precious. Um, and it's, and like I said, it's economical, in my opinion, to be able to afford that added comfort of knowing I have this in case I need it. Kind of like an insurance policy, you know, you, you pay for it, you hope you're right. never going to have to use it. But dang, it's there when you do. Right. You know, I wanted to go back to what you mentioned about the stress that families have when someone does go missing. Uh, I had a dog that got a, I was in uh, a friend's house and his mother-in-law came in and when I came over, I think his wife said, Hey, bring, bring your dog with me because our daughter wants to play with it. I said, that's fine. And 
you know, we were having dinner and all this stuff. And it was like three hours later, and I see Courtney. I was like, hey, where's Socrates? And she's like, I thought she, I thought he was in here. And I look at the front door, and it's like cracked a foot. So when the mother-in-law came in, my dog got out. And this was before I had my service. So we jump in the golf cart, and we're trying to drive around this neighborhood. It was 900-plus homes, so it's a pretty good size neighborhood. And we're stopping people who's out for a walk and say, have you seen this little black and white shout there? And they're like, yeah, we saw the dog. He was just trotting down through there. If I had my service back then, you know, people in that neighborhood would have known that the dog was out. But they, they just didn't know. They didn't know who it belonged to or anything else. And we kept looking for it. And then we get to the, the second gate we had in that neighborhood. And I seen, and one thing I didn't know then, I know now, you just don't run toward a dog because they'll run from you. So he went around the corner, and then I never saw him again. So then I get on the phone, and this is what families are going to have to do. I'm calling everybody that I can get a hold of. So we created our own little search party that night. And we were out there in this golf course just looking everywhere, shouting these names at probably 3 o'clock in the morning. And we couldn't – no sign of him. And the next morning – you know, I go home and now I've got to create a poster for him. And I did, there was no template for it. So I'm starting from scratch with this thing. And I, I'm just, this dog was, was like my child. So I'm a literal mess trying to do this and then trying to dig up photos of him and everything else. And it probably took me 10 times longer than it did. I don't know. It probably took me an hour to do this at least. And then, you know, the next morning I go over, and then this is a gated community. And I hadn't, I, I used to live in it, but I wasn't living in it at that time. And all these people, I'm you know, mailing up these posters on every street corner there. And he's like, you can't do this. This is a private community. I was like, I said, if I see somebody take that poster down, I'm going to have a problem with you. I said, this is a real sweet, <laughs> friendly dog. Somebody's probably got it in their house. I want them to know, you know, who I am and all this other stuff. But it, it, it's the most nerve-wracking experience I have ever had in my whole life. And just, it was horrendous. And then one of my friends who was a school teacher uh, called me about, I guess, 8 o'clock that morning and said, I, you know, I'm on my way to work. I said, I think Socrates is up here on Beach Boulevard. I'm like, you're kidding me. Mm. I call my buddy because obviously I was in no condition to drive. The story actually is out on my Critter Alert Center website. But, uh, and he looked like he was just sleeping or whatever. But, uh, you know, we went up there and picked him up, took him to bed and, you know, had him cremated and all that. And, you know, I called the president of the company and told him what had happened. And um, I said, I'm going to just be off work for a period of time. And literally, I think it was. It was like four months. It was, I, I was just devastated with that. Uh, so that's that's kind of experience I think almost anybody would have. It was whether it's their pet or their child or, or their parent or grandparent. It's just it's it's just traumatic. Uh, and that's one of another reasons why we said, okay, let's do this. You know, the pet service as well. So uh, it's it's just rewarding when we help find you know children and pets and adults and students, college students. So. Um, but yeah, it, we're really good at what we do, and it, and it's very affordable. Uh, but like you mentioned earlier, there's the more different products you have, the better. We're not saying we're the end all the everything, uh, and we've always said that on all the other products. If you got the other stuff, that's that's really good to have too. But uh, if you're gonna have one, that one probably should be ours. But but the more you have, the better, the safer, the better chances of getting that person or pet home. Well, you know, it's it's so nice because you do really cover the whole family. And what a great gift to give a family. You know, if you're grandparents or whatever and, um, you know, you're, you're worried about your grandkids, um, maybe your, your spouse, um, you know, yourself. I mean, nowadays, I'm, you know, anybody can be abducted, which is really a sad place where we are in the world. But that's the truth. And, you know, one of the things that I always encourage um uh, care partners dealing with dementia is everyone says, well, you know, we have to, we have to protect them. Well, you have to protect you too, because, you know, if something happens to you, somebody has to know that you're caring for someone who, who is a vulnerable adult or a vulnerable child or whatever, um, you know, so do it together. And then it it's not, 
It's not because somebody's ill. It's just it's just protecting your family and your loved ones. And it's equal. You know, it's that partnership. It it gets down to being relationship based and respectful instead of, well, you know, you you need this. I don't. I'm st- I'm still good. <laughs> you know, doing kind of that right, right. that one up thing. But you know, you could do this as a family. And um, just, you know, so everybody knows everybody's safe. Um, And we've got a quick fix if something like this happens. Um, You could even, you know, set your alarm to update pictures, you know, when, uh, you know, when we spring forward and fall back, you know, with the clocks and stuff. Um, I mean, there's just so many different ways to be able to institute something like this to just have that, you know, kind of have that insurance policy in your back pocket, Hoping that you never ever need it, um, but yet you've got it in case in case things go awry, and and you know when they go awry, they go awry really quickly, and our our minds aren't thinking clearly, and you know we need as much assistance in um, things in place uh, to help us get through it because you know you're emotionally devastated and you're typically exhausted. And um, again, uh, you're just kind of feeling at loss, trying to grab at straws. And, um, you know, the more stuff you can have in place, like the the caregiver alert center and um, having that poster ready to go, the better off you are and the easier the process is going to be. Not that it'll ever be easy, um, but it will be easier than starting from scratch. Um, and knowing that you've got the support of your buddy list and, you know, your friends who can share, um, I would just think personally what a comfort that would be. You'd automatically think, okay, I'm not alone in this. Right. You were going to say something else, and I kept rambling there, Mark. Yeah, no, 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 that's okay. <laughs> you know how I am. If you stop for air, then I'm going to jump in. But kind of a key thing with our all of our services are is – you need to be registered. You should be registered ahead of time before something does happen. And it goes back to that state of mind because when I was trying to put this poster together for my pet, it took me 10 times longer than it should. Whereas, you know, if I'd had my service, if that was in place, then it was going to be done instantly. But when you're thinking about, you know, where is he, where could he be, this and that, your mind just runs in turbo speed and, you know, then you got to dig up information and photos and things like that. It, it's really, it's really just, it's mind-boggling how it affects you. So uh, we always say it's better to have us than not need us than need us and not have us. So uh, that is, that is truly the secret of, of getting this service out to the people and awareness for everybody else is is being registered with us to start with, which is normally about a three-minute process. It's two forms and that's it. So it's pretty easy. Well, and this information not only helps the family and their buddy list spread it out, but you also work with the police departments and the case numbers and things like that so that they so they don't have to create it either. It's already there. Right. And um and, and what a relief, you know, to, to be able to speed up that process because, you know, they need help too. They're they're overworked, underpaid, just like the you know, the rest of the rest of the world and um anything to ease the process and work in collaboration for recovery is huge. It's just huge. Um, The other thing that I want to mention that I I learned during this process when uh, my friend's sister was missing was I did not know that anywhere in the U.S. apparently you can call 911 and if you have a person living with dementia or who is vulnerable um, or has medical issues, whatever it might be, you can actually uh, call 911, tell them it's a non-emergency, but that you would want to register this person in the household so that the police know before they get out there what they're dealing with. And so um, that can be helpful. Again, it's it's not going to have a lot of information um, you know, that they can, that they can store. But again, it's just another safety piece, um, to, to alert everybody to, you know, the potential of a situation, um, that could occur and to know what it is you're, you're dealing with there. So, um, wanted to add that in as well. Anything else that you'd like people to know, Mark? Well, I, I did not know that that, that is actually really good to know. I know when we, we first started the child alert center, and one of the, you know, the first question you see on our website is, what would you do if your child went missing? 
And we would just ask people at these conferences and shows we would go to, and they said, well, I guess I call law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And then we would just kind of come back and say, you know how long it's going to take them to distribute information? And they're like, no, it's like an average of seven hours. I was like, is that acceptable to you? And it's not acceptable to anybody, particularly the parents. So it's just, it's kind of mind boggling how I think a lot of people just assume the same thing with the silver alert. Uh, and I've kind of dug up a lot on that because we were kind of thinking about doing something before that even got started. But one of the things I was reading online uh, about a week ago is that on most of them, and I think they'll vary a little bit from state to state, that one, you have to be 60 years old before they'll issue one, which we don't have any age restrictions. Uh, two, uh, you have to prove that person does have uh, dementia or Alzheimer's before they will issue that as well, which in our case, we don't either. And in most cases, that alert is only good for six hours and then it expires which I just thought that was crazy. But I think a lot of people like the ch- with parents with children think law enforcement handles everything. And then I think caregivers and families think, you know, silver alert will take care of everything. And it really doesn't. You've got kind of a small window there and you've got to meet criteria with that, just like you do on Amber alert. So um, there's some options out there like us uh, for those people that may be concerned about, you know, their loved one going wandering for sure. Well, and what I found in talking to different departments, too, is they weren't really educated on how to use it or when to use it. There, a lot of them didn't have a protocol until we started talking about it. And, um, you know, they said, well, you know, with adults, it's a little bit different because, you know, they may not want to be there. Or even, even teenagers, um, it can get slowed down because, well, you know, they run away a lot. Or, you know, there's there's been this situation at the house before, and they're probably just fine visiting friends, taking a time out. And I was I was kind of shocked at that. I mean, I, I can see I, I can see that side, but you know, on the other hand, it's just like, but what if? What if they really yeah. do need help and we're making these these judgments that, you know, well we're gonna we're gonna give it two days because most people do show up in two days. You know, two days is is too long to wait, especially with somebody who's vulnerable, uh, like somebody with dementia. And, um, you know, I think that that needs to change. And and with social media and companies like yours, it allows us to be proactive instead of just sitting back and saying, okay, the government or cities are going to take care of this. We can actually, you know, you know, hit the ground running and get ahead of the game and um, hopefully use those ears and eyes, you know, that army and force out there to, to be able to locate them. Right. So, right. well, good. Mark, what's the best way for people to, uh, to get a hold of, of you? Um, you know, if they'd like to talk a little bit more or um, what website should they go to for, um, for the caregiver, I'm going to say the caregiver alert um, center, um, since that's primarily what we're talking to. But that, but at that spot, they'll be able to talk with, or they'll be able to connect with any of these, from the child alert to the critter alert, the college alert to the corporate alert as well. well they, we have a splash page that uh, anyone can go to. That's www.callcac.com. Uh, and you'll see logos of four of our services there, uh, child, critter, corporate, and caregiver. And, and because we already had the corporate alert center service going before we started the caregiver, so we, we that was designated for adults. So those two share the same uh, website, if you will, but there's information, you know, for business travelers, there's information for Alzheimer's as well on that. So if anybody wanted to... Uh, email me. They can email me directly. I'm okay with that. My, my email address uh, is marnold at callcac.com. Uh, our toll-free number is, is for emergency use only, so when somebody is missing, uh, that's what we use that for. But if you just got general questions, you want to, you can send an email into any of our sites at support at caregiver alert center or corporate alert center, and uh, 
someone will reply back to you pretty quickly on that as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us today to to uh, raise uh, raise the awareness on your company. I, I like I said, I'm I'm a huge fan. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense. And um, just you know, my two situations where my daughter was hiding and just that sinking feeling of oh my gosh, where yeah. <laughs> where yeah. is she? And um, even though, you know, we couldn't find her for, it was like two hours, uh, you were just dying inside, just dying inside. Oh, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a sick, it's a sick feeling, but you know, kids, they kind of do that. They hide and stuff. We, we had a meeting, I'll tell you this little story way back when with a board of director, one of the, the very largest insurance companies. And this guy's probably 80 years old, just one of these old birds, but just, you know, just cool guy. And we were, I'm telling him about our service. He goes, let me tell you what I did. He goes, when I was seven years old, I was outside in the backyard, and I, was, I don't know what I was doing in these bushes. And then my mother uh, called my name. I thought, well, I'll just hide from her. And so she kept calling, and I just kind of thought it was funny. Then the next thing you know, Dad's calling as well. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if I'm going to get in trouble. So I just kind of stayed quiet, and they couldn't find me. The next thing you know, the police shows up. <laughs> and he goes, then I knew I had to come out. And he says, I'll never forget this the day because I'm like 80 years old. But he says, I got the tightest hug I've ever gotten in my life. And then he goes, I got the butt whip and I've never forgot either. So <laughs> I've never done that again. But it's kind of crazy. Same thing, kind of with like college students, the norm used to be because college students just run off on weekends and do all this other crazy stuff. If they would have to be missing four to five days before the college would even consider them missing. So finally they passed Suzanne's law where now uh, if that person's not found in 24 hours, then they have to take some action uh, with that. But when it's adults um, and if you don't qualify a silver alert or something, this is going to be left up to the families um, to find them for the most part. So, uh, and we're obviously there to help as many as we possibly can. So, Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm looking forward to spreading the word about the Caregiver Alert Center and uh, all the other sister companies. I I think it'll be really valuable for for our audience and uh, for our community, and hopefully they will share information as well um, regarding it. Um, Again, another inexpensive way to just protect yourself for the what-ifs that happen in life. Yeah. All right. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Um, Today's show, I just want to remind you again, was brought to you by audible.com and you can get your free audible download for a 30 day trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash social. I also want to remind you to check out Apples to Apples on Alive and Social uh, Monday at 2.30 with Scott and Drew Applebaum. It's a father and son team who discuss sports, and you'll be able to find out if father always knows best during their conversation. Um, also on Alive and Social is Joan of Art, um, which does a, a weekly show on Alive and Social that investigates and celebrates people who make art. Uh, so check check into uh, Joan of Art. I think you'll enjoy her show as well. Our last shows here, we um, we just had on Joe Huey, who was absolutely fabulous, and she talks about the ten absolutes, and uh, she's actually celebrating twenty years of her ten absolutes in terms of communicating with those with dementia. Um, just a wonderful gal. Had a brilliant conversation with her. Um, on Tuesday, and um, we're also going to have um, Pam Van Aan, who is the Executive Director of Caring Together in Hope, on Friday, and then on the 15th, on Tuesday, we're going to be talking with Dan Hansen on um, funeral planning, and it's not going to be what you think it's going to be at a hall. He just comes uh, at this from a really different angle. Uh, I also want to mention that we did our Dementia Chats uh, webinar this uh, this week, and we talked about the difference between dementia-friendly villages and dementia-friendly communities because there's a lot of confusion out there. And our experts, all living with dementia, had some great insights and comments. Um, what else can I tell you about? If you're going to be in Texas in April, um, touch base with me because I'm going to be down there a couple of times uh, early 
early on, I'm going to be um, kind of floating around the Dallas area and working with Autumn Leaves down there, doing some uh, premiere screenings of the dementia film, His Neighbor Phil. And then on the 28th, I'm going to be in Tyler, Texas, uh, working with the uh, Alzheimer's Alliance of Smith County, doing a caregiver survival camp. On the blog, you'll find a couple of new songs. People always like songs and videos, so I try to post those routinely. And there's two new songs. One's called Not Alone and the other is Disappeared. Both deal with um, the feelings of loss with dementia. And then Kevin Wu wrote a nice article about an athlete who's decided to donate her brain to science. Uh, there's also information about how you can get involved with uh, stamping out Alzheimer's through the semi-postal stamp. And we're asking people to write letters to their congressmen, and everything, of course, is automated. Uh, us, uh, us Against Alzheimer's has made that really, really easy. Um, last, I'm going to just do a shout-out to uh, FreshBooks. Um, it is a new accounting system that you can, uh, you know, do easy invoicing, find out your expenses, uh, who owes you money, who you owe money, etc., and just makes your life a little bit, a uh, little bit easier. So you can get a 30-day trial of FreshBooks by going to www.gofreshbooks.com forward slash alive. Again, that's gofreshbooks.com forward slash alive. Have a blessed week. And uh, remember, you can go to alzheimerspeaks.com and get some of our tools there. Uh, One is called Your Memory Chip, which helps you switch from being task-oriented to person-centered. And it teaches us to put first, are they safe? Are they happy? Are they pain-free? Have a blessed week, everyone. Bye now. Hi everyone, this is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me, listen now, search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.